Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Major League Rugby fans, welcome to another great episode of our Run, Pass, or Kick interview. And with this occasion, we once again introduce the team. We have Scott, we got Rob, myself, Ty Braga, your host for today's activities, and the man of the moment in the bottom left-hand corner, Bill Webb. Bill, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleased to be here. Excellent. Well, we're very pleased that you can join us because we feel quite honored that we happen to have MLR royalty with us here today. Uh, you may feel a little humbled by that, but it's not often we get to be able to sit down and have a conversation with somebody so heavily entrenched in the building blocks of a league like you are with Toronto Arrows and being a part of the ownership. So we're going to take that opportunity and we're going to put you to the test in our run, pass or kick interview. And to run you through how it works, for the sake of our viewers and for Bill, we're going to hand it over to my co-host, Rob Hammerschmidt, who's going to take you through how it works. So, Rob, let us know. For those of you fans who are familiar with run, pass, or kick, this doesn't need any explainer. But for those of you guys who are new, uh, I'm just going to take a moment to brief you. Basically, run, pass, or kick works like this. I'm going to throw a question at Bill, uh, and I'll prompt him with run, pass, or kick. If he runs with a question, he is going to answer the question as honestly as he possibly can. If he chooses to pass the question, well, he just doesn't feel like answering that question right now. And if he kicks the question, he's going to kick it back to one of us. And uh, either he'll identify that individual, or if he doesn't identify it, the person who asked the question will assume that they're supposed to answer in, in a way that they think he might answer. And maybe we'll see, but Bill might even give us an evaluation of how well we did. <laughs> so, Bill, are you ready for run, pass, or kick? Ready to roll. All right. I'm going to get to the most critical question first. I'm going to throw it right at you. I'm going to run it up the gut. I'm an Ola fan living in Chicago, but the closest MLR city to me is Toronto. If I showed up for a match in my NOLA gear, would Arrow fans throw me out of my ass? Run faster kick with that one. <laughs> oh, I'll run. I'll run with that one. Uh, we've got a great – You can't, anybody who comes to, to, to watch one of our games is welcome. It's a great rugby atmosphere before, during, and after the game. We've got – you know, and and we've got great post-match parties too at, at our local pubs, and lots of people show up. 
both teams. It's a gas and we don't care. Just having people there, having a fun day, enjoying the game, typical rugby, you know, spirit. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. That's good to know because a plan is formulating right now, Bill. (laughs) And no fans are not known to be quiet, so they're allowed (laughs) to be proud. (laughs) Toronto's a very good place for a road trip. There's lots of fun to be had here, great restaurants, lots of ways to get in trouble. It's a great place. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Why does that get the biggest laugh from us? (laughs) I think you sold me, Bill. I'm ready to pack my bags. So uh, on the note of Toronto, uh, how did the idea of starting up the Toronto Arrows come about? Run, pass, or kick? Oh, run with that one. It's a, it's a great story. Um, the, man who, the man who deserves the most credit is our VP and general manager, Mark Winokur. And um, uh, Mark and I didn't even know each other until there was a match between, up here in, in Burlington, Ontario, just west of Toronto, where the Ontario Blues, which is the provincial representative amateur side, was playing the Glendale Merlins at that time, who came who came up to play. And at that time, uh, Mark had heard, you know, through the rugby grapevine, he's well, very well connected. He was the manager of the, of the Ontario Blues team, had heard that uh, Glendale was going to enter this new MLR league that was going to start in a, later that year, in a few months in the spring. And a mutual friend told me, uh, knew that I was involved in rugby, I'm on the board of Rugby Canada, and he suggested to me that I should go, you know, watch that game. I probably would have gone anyways and look out for this chat with this uh, fellow Mark Winokur after the game. So went to the game. It's a great game. Ontario thrashed Glendale. I went up to Mark after the game, introduced myself, and uh, said congratulations. And said, uh, I said, do you think, you know, I've heard about this MLR thing that's going to happen. Do you think we could put together, you know, a credible team to compete in that league? And he said, absolutely, yes, it's right here. This is the starting point. And from there on, we started getting into conversations. We, we, we went down to Glendale. We beat Glendale. They wanted a rematch. We went down, lost that game, but got to speaking with uh, the MLR folks about what would be involved in entering. And we very rapidly put together a, started to put together a business plan. We ran a one-year uh, test season, R&D season where we played a bunch of exhibition games, fared pretty well, and then applied for entry into the league were approved in November of 2018 and by you know late January 2019 we were we were playing matches in the league and so it came together pretty quickly but Winokur Winokur uh, had the vision and uh, pulled you know together we pulled together the investors the players the staff all of that and we're you know we're we're having a blast we're living the dream working hard as hell but uh, really trying to make a go of this and the and the league is uh, we're really pleased with you know, where we've got to and where, and where the league is going. Well, your effort effort certainly showed on the rugby uh, pitch uh, during a shortened season, but uh, during 2020, I mean, you guys had a great run going there at the beginning of the season. I would have loved to have seen how Toronto competed throughout the rest of the season because it looked like there were going to be some incredible matches. Talk a little bit about, if you would, Bill, uh, about the, the ownership group. How large is the ownership group with the, with the Toronto Arrows? Um, it, it's not huge. We we all know each other. It's uh, so I'm I'm the majority owner. I'm the general partner, but we have um, uh, five other folks in the in the ownership group. They're all people who love sport and love rugby. They're all successful business people, and they all bring something. You know, we all know each other, so there's a lot of a lot of trust, and they contribute in ways beyond you know their share of the money. There are people from the media world. Um, one of our well known uh, investors is Brian Burke. 
comes from a professional hockey background in Toronto, Anaheim, Vancouver, um, and loves the game. He says it's his second favorite sport after after hockey. And uh, all, all these owners bring something to the party besides the game. So that, that's our ownership group. It's all, all know each other, all get along, very supportive. Awesome. Ty, I believe you have a question coming out. out well, actually, one. you uh, kind of already touched on it there, Bill. We had a question that I was prompted to ask, harassed to ask, and then they asked Scott to ask <laughs> me to ask. That's Doug Wilkie, who runs the, uh, the Toronto Arrows fan group, who, by the way, what a great job. They hit 3,000 today with your help. I've told yeah. everybody to pump the brakes because they're going to be larger than all the other groups, and I need Canada to slow down. <laughs> But, you know, it's great to be able to see that energy around it. And the question that he had had is, what is it like having Brian Burke there by your side with the experience he has in that ownership fold? Uh, so you kind of touched on it a little bit, but can you speak to some of the experience he brings to the table? Sure, I'll give you – well, Berkey's, Berkey's just a great human being. He's a good person, and uh, – He knows professional sports. And I'll give you one example is when we got in, when we got into this league and salary cap league, I mean, Brian's very experienced at how do you think about and manage around a salary cap? And so, you know, Mark Winokur went over a couple of times to, to Berkey's house and got, you know, salary cap 101 <laughs> and a master's and a PhD, you know, probably. And, and, um, and, and that's been very helpful. And we can bounce. What we do is we bounce ideas off of our investors whenever we need to. They, offer up suggestions whenever they need to. Nobody's, nobody's shy, um, but he loves the passion for the game and he, and he loves, he'll come out and he'll do, he'll do media events. He'll come to our parties. He'll come to our games. Like he truly, truly cares about it. And I, and I think for somebody don't want to put words in Brian's mouth, but for somebody who's been managing professional sports for a long time to be able to have an ownership stake in an up and coming league and a, and a successful team in, 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 in Toronto, you know, in, in his hometown, I think it's a lot of fun. We're all right. And it's clearly driven by passion for everybody. Yeah. And, and I just want to comment for people who don't know Brian Burke. Uh, he won a Stanley cup with the uh, Anaheim ducks as a GM. I believe he was also uh, GM of uh, Vancouver uh, GM at, uh, for the Maple Leafs. And I believe he was also the GM for uh, USA hockey in the 2010 Olympics. So he has Olympic experience too. It's not just, you know, completely professional side and, and that's you know a big deal obviously with, with with sevens in the olympics and real quick uh rob uh karen gasparino says if you're going up to toronto for a match you got to bring some swag because she wants to trade with you all right i can do <laughs> she's got to tell me what kind of swag she wants so there you go I'll, karen. I'll, I'll, I'll deliver i'll deliver. reach out to I'll reach out to rob <laughs> i'm like the male karen deserves it karen deserves it she's one of the administrators in our fan zone she Great. Right. Great. She, yeah, well, she's super, uh, super active on the fan zone, uh, on the MLR uh, fan zone. So it's, it's really good to have her as a part of this program, but also in general, her activity in, in the MLR fan zone is awesome. So you, you had mentioned before that you were part of the Canadian national team board. Um, the prevailing perception by a lot of our fans in the fan zone is that, um, the arrows serve as a pipeline for the Canadian national team. How accurate is this perception? Run, pass, or kick? I'll run with that one too. Um, it's our ball. You gotta, you gotta hold it to score, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so we don't report to Rugby Canada. Uh, I'm on the board, but I have to recuse myself for parts of meetings when we're talking about MLR, unless I'm just providing information. Um, 
but what we've consciously one of the one of the key philosophies of the arrows is that we're here to win we're here to be a successful and growing sports and entertainment organization but we are here to grow the game of rugby and we're here to improve the quality of canadian rugby and where that starts with one of the most important programs practically is our men's 15s program and there was once upon a time i think the highest ranking canada ever had in world rugby rankings might have been around 10 or 11 in the world we're now 22 we were the last team to get into the world cup in a repechage we never want that to happen again so we believe we've got a lot of talent in this country it's very challenging because we're spread out all over the place but i think what, what so we're dedicated to having the highest percentage possible of Canadian players. We're currently about 85% of our roster are Canadian players. Um, we'd love it. We'd love, we'd love our entire team to be the national team or to be desired to be the national team. But there's, there are other Canadians who are in other MLR teams, and that's great. The great opportunity here is that guys can play rugby at a professional level, train in a professional high-performance environment, and get game time, as opposed to many players who go overseas – and maybe playing professionally, but they don't see that much game time. They may be on the bench or they're playing at a here. They're actually able to improve. So um, we would love to be that pipeline, but, but there's no t- Canada, you know, the Kingsley Jones and his staff, they, they select who's going to be on the national team. And we have no influence over that other than producing as many great players as we can. And one, one last thing I'll just say is our, what we want to be at the arrows is the, we want to be the destination of choice for the best Canadian players. We got to earn that right for them to want to be in our environment, a, a good environment, a great culture, which we have, and a winning team and good coaching. But we got to earn that right. Now, some guys may want to be in another place because it's sunny or, you know, there's a personal situation. That That's great. But we want every Canadian who's eligible to play, you know, in MLR um, to want to play for our team. And that's what we got to earn that. Bill, let me, just, let me just speak to the fact that two of my favorite players are Canadians. Uh, Eric Howard and Kyle Bailey, both of, been, both of them have been captains for uh, Minola Gold. So shout out to those boys. Yeah, good, good, good. <laughs> and I love how you say though, Bo, is that you got to earn that right yeah. to be the place where Canadian players look to to play, right? And yeah. to be the elite. And you give them that platform. And, you know, one of the recent conversations that's come to be a hot topic in the league is now that we can kind of look back over the success and some of the uh, the misses, so to speak, when it comes to the MLR draw. One of the questions that we saw come up from the MLR fan zone members, they had asked, looking back, do you think Toronto would have perhaps enjoyed being a part of the MLR draw, even if it was to only be able to trade those spots for other opportunities like Rooney has done, like Houston has done. Yeah. The, 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 the challenge is, and it, it all came together pretty fast and it, it could change in the future, right. but the challenge is if we draft somebody, if we draft an American, it's very hard for them to get a visa into Canada, into Canada and vice versa, unless you've been capped for your country, you know, at the highest level. And maybe if you got capped at U20, you might get a visa, but we could be wasting essentially those picks wouldn't be worth anything. So we will continue to work with the league and see what happens there. But we, we didn't really feel it was, you know, there wasn't really a mechanism for that this year for those, for those draft picks to have it. Cause we would be picking players. We'd have to do a ton of work to pick players that actually couldn't work play for us. Right. So you would run a risk of going down that path only to bear no fruit from it. Yeah. I certainly understand that. 
And, you know, we were discussing this off camera just before we started this interview uh, and thinking that, you know, it came about so quickly and the guidelines were not quite settled as to how you could be a part of the MLR draft. Was it a question that maybe there was, uh, it wasn't understood that that was a possibility to be able to trade one spot for an international spot or whatever it may be. So as you say, it evolved very quickly and hopefully by next year, there'll be a much firmer understanding of what can and cannot be done, right? Yep, yep, we'll work through it. And the other, the other element, remember, is that uh, the best pathway, they're the most, the most productive pathway right now in Canada for professional rugby players is through the university system in Canada. Right. So we have a great, we have a pipeline here. We have great access. Looks like we have got a stall there from uh, from Bill, um, but it was a pretty interesting take. Um, you know, we were talking about this off camera, and I just want to let our viewers know before we manage to be able to get Bill back, is that, you know, the MLR draft, and I'm sure, Rob, you would agree with me, and Scott, likewise, that it did come very quickly. And, you know, sometimes that uh, because it happened so quickly, you had to almost just think on your feet as, as a unit. So, yeah, yes, later it was revealed that these spots could be traded. Rooney gained uh, a, an opportunity there. Houston traded all of their uh, spots for a player, which was uh, Povey from uh, the Warriors, mm. right? Correct. So, I mean, on, on, on that point there, I definitely recognize what he's saying is that, um, you know, they've got an identified pathway. It works for them. If you look at the track record alone for Toronto, they ended up being an undefeated team, at least until they met the uh, Colorado. But that was only by three Welcome points. Back. Hey, Phil, welcome back. Welcome I was back. just pulling in there. Um, I was just covering some of your thoughts then. I thought it was it was great to be able to know uh, about the MLR draft that, you know, obviously there's a trusted way for you to create uh, or to find players of your own. You didn't necessarily have to lean on that system right now. Perhaps in the future, it might reveal even greater opportunities when visas aren't standing in the way, when there's a more clearly defined pathway through that means. Uh, would that be fair to yeah. say? Fair, fair to say. And, and also remember, we, we've actually created academy, an academy here as well. With two right. Locations. So we have 32 athletes who are in elite players at university who we've been working with in our academies, that's, it's a pretty high bar. There's a pretty high number of high quality players there. So we're not, you know, we're investing in that and bringing them along, but we've got a source of, we're not, we're not short of finding talent. It's about developing that talent. So For sure. So clearly you've, you've talked about the strong connection um, that your players have to Team Canada and that pathway and, and the, the, the process from uh, the collegiate ranks, uh, you know, potentially into the Toronto Arrows and beyond. Uh, one of the topics we covered a few episodes ago was potential for future franchises and where they might be located. And many of our fan zone members talked about Canada you know, is there the potential? Is there the opportunity for another Canadian franchise? So, run past or kick, would you like to see another Canadian franchise? And if so, what city would serve as the best location? Um, I'll run. I'll run with that. Not I'll, afraid to run it up the gut, are you, Bill? I'll run it. I'll run it. <laughs> um, would love. Would love to see. The league is growing would love to see another franchise or two in Canada. The caveat is it's got to be the right ownership group, great ownership group. They've got to be able to, they've got to be able to do all the things that are involved And the bar to get into the MLR is up a lot. Like in terms Mm -hmm. of the amount of money, 
that you have to show you have available to get in to be at the table um, and the expectations regarding what your plan is regarding stadia, you know, stadiums, academies, where are you going to find the players, coaching staff, the business side, like we've really raised the bar. So whether it's, I, I have no strong preferences, honestly, as to whether it's, you know, somewhere in British Columbia, Vancouver or Victoria, or whether it's, you know, we've had interest out of Montreal, out of Nova Scotia, as long as somebody can pull all the elements to it and it's a viable market. Like we do have to remember there are still a number of markets in the United States, including Chicago, where Rob is, where we don't, we don't have a, <laughs> but I didn't say it. He did. <laughs> and we, you know, so look, anybody who can earn the right to get into this, you know, into this league and have a strong franchise, I'm all for it, whether they're Canadian or, or American. See, I love that, that it's just the focus is growing the game and you can see that that comes through the way that you speak, your mannerism, you know, there's obviously a clear passion in what you do. And it's not like you're trying to say, well, no, we're the elite in Canada and we wish it to stay that way. You're looking to grow the game and you'll be happy to be able to invite another Canadian team in. Yes, yep. but under the right conditions. Yep. And the honest, the honest challenge is, and, and it applies to all of MLR, as we grow with the number of teams, and I'm a firm believer that we have this cap of 10 foreign non-North non American players on a, you know, on a game day roster. I want to develop North American talent, finding enough players who are ready to play at this level. We're not like, we got to be careful. We don't grow too fast and the quality can keep up. So that means all the things we're doing with academies, developing more quality American players, more Canadian players um, and having MLR around is going to enable us to do that. But I think we got to be patient for a couple of years and make sure that, because right now the league, you know, in terms of the parity, the improving quality of play with each season, like it, right. it's, very clear. We don't want to dilute that too fast. So, but as long as we keep what we're doing, we'll grow from, you know, 12 to, you know, 16 teams probably. And, you know, I think, I think that's going to be a, a good number. If we can get to 16 really high quality teams over the next few years, that'll be awesome. And then I think the chance to go to 20 and the high twenties over the next decade is, is a possibility. And if, and if, you know, big, it's maybe something you want to talk about, but if we get awarded a world cup in North America, and look out, right? Because a lot more teams right. are going to play, and that'll help grow the base as well. But um, we got a lot right. of work before we get there. So, and it, it, actually, I have a, a fan question. And it's talking about growth, specifically Arrow's growth. And the question is: Do you think that the Toronto Wolf Pack is affecting the Arrow's growth in the region? No, no. Our fan, our fan base. We started off with uh, a very strong fan base of people who play rugby. Rugby union is the code that we play in our schools and in our universities. So we've got a very strong fan base of all those people who play rugby union. Um, now it's about attracting, bringing new people into the game and gro growing the game itself and bringing new people, the casual sports fan. And we're doing a lot of research, a lot of market research, focus groups, the whole nine yards about how we go about getting those people. But universally, when people hear when you bring a friend who's never been to a rugby match before, and I'd say a rugby union match, because there is a special, you know, rugby league, the two teams don't get together after the game, but in rugby union, that special thing of getting together with the team after the match and all the fans being able to come and take pictures and watch two teams break bread together and have a few beers and hang around, whether it's for an hour or five hours, that's a very unique rugby union experience. And that's what we want to introduce people to. So, 
Right. I 100% agree with that. We've always echoed that same theme that what the MLR has and rugby in general is unique in sports to have the access to the players where the fans can actually immerse themselves in the player environment for that post-match beer. It's a great tradition about the sport that we hope that will continue. Um, I had the next question to be able to jump in and, and ask you here. So run past a kick with this one. Again, we look to our fans from this show and of course the other fan groups to be able to find questions. And this one had come up with so much of the MLR team's revenue coming directly from ticket sales. What do you think MLR teams should do better to attract more crowds? Hmm. Um, yeah, ticket revenue is important. I think it's, it's all about providing a great game day experience and there we can look to other sports and how they do it. So having, you know, good curtain raisers, having, uh, lots of fun at halftime and whether that involves, you know, cheer squads or whether it involves, you know, youth games, um, those kinds of activities. And then the post-match. So it's about having an all encompassing game day experience, good music, good food, good beer. I mean, our very first game we ever played, we ran out of beer. Now we got more during the game <laughs> and we set the record for beer sales at that particular venue. Um, that's the true record you actually, like, you put that and mount it up we on the wall. It was very, <laughs> How do you run out of Molson in Canada? <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, so so it's about creating the full game day, the full game day experience to get people out. Um, but I would say the other, it's not just ticket sales. It's it's getting corporate sponsorships that are. For sure. We've done pretty well there, but I think both as a league and all the individual teams we need to do better and we need to bring more corporate money around the sport period, not just to our professional teams, but to, you know, in Canada, our provincial rugby unions, the national union. And I think having a professional team uh, puts, puts some more spotlight on the sport and has more kids and parents looking at it. We're on TV. Um, so that's great. But, but that's a real, another real emphasis for us is growing those corporate sponsorships and our main, our core sponsors of Honda Canada, world-class sponsor, Lululemon, we're the first first professional sports team in the world to be a brand ambassador for them. Um, our national, you know, our equivalent of ESPN, TSN carries our games nationwide. Um, Globe and Mail, our national newspaper, and then a variety of other companies. And we're we're talking right now, even though we're you know seven months out, hopefully from kickoff of the season, we're out there talking to in the midst of the pandemic. We're out there pitching corporate sponsors and saying, hey. Here's a value opportunity. It's not nearly as expensive as, you know, if you're sponsoring professional basketball or baseball, you can do this. And here are the values of the sport, which my experiences are really resonating with people right now. The inclusivity with all the turmoil in the world, generally, the inclusivity of rugby and the spirit of rugby and the values of rugby are really resonating with people, even if they don't know the sport. And it's funny. Uh, well, you talked about curtain raisers, and and that's one of the things I know Rooney is big on is having these good curtain raisers. Whether it's NYPD versus FDNY, whether it's um, they had a Connecticut All Star High School team versus New York All Star High School, and then at halftime they just had sevens tournament with with kids. I even tried to get a sevens tournament going where everybody wore rooster gear. I mean, full head to toe rooster costumes. Yeah. And uh, the insurance said no, and that was the last time they ever asked me my opinion of anything. So that's where, that's where we're at with that. So, so Bill, you talked about you know how to make the experience. It's something that we've talked a lot about on the show in several different episodes. Making the fan experience genuine when they come to a rugby match, and that's a key and critical piece. And 
all the stadiums, all the all the owners seem to really try to hit that piece home, whether it's, you know, the cohort in San Diego or uh, down there in NOLA with the, the second line or, um, or whatnot. Um, but I want to go back to a piece that you mentioned. That's music. So I have a really serious question here for you. Run past or kick with this one. I recently read a Rolling Stone readers poll that ranked the top 10 Canadian musical acts. Neil Young and Rush were the top two. So, Neil Young or Rush? I'll run with that. Well, <laughs> Rush played my high school gym. Oh, no. And it blew my, it blew my mind. <laughs> Does just somebody before, lose a bet or somebody had lots of money? Or <laughs> just before, It was just before they took off. They played right. my high school gym at Brantford Collegiate, and it blew my mind. And so I owe Rush a massive debt for this. <laughs> Rush, but I love it. Wow. It's funny. I was going to ask, how did the fit Neil Peart's drum set inside a, a high school gym? But he didn't actually play with them when they first started. He didn't come it until was, later. Uh, none. It was it was very crowded. There were cranes inside the gym. There were smoke canister. Like, it was oh. mind bog. <laughs> wow, that's Brantford, awesome. Brantford, Ontario. <laughs> so. You, you know, and and here again, I I really think um, your vision and values that not only the arrows have but you have individually is really hitting home at some of the things that we think and that our fans think are important, both on, on both sides of the border. Uh, and so this question is generated by that run, pass, or kick. The United States and Canada are both tier two nations. You talked about how you know Canada was at one time top ten, eleven. And and you, you guys are at, did you say twenty three before twenty two twenty three yeah um, and the United States isn't faring much better in that regard. Um, Run passer kick. What did the United States and Canada? What do they need to do to attract and engage more fans to our game? Uh, I think the biggest selling point. I'll run with that. I think the biggest selling point of our game is is the values of the of the sport. Um, and it's the only one thing I realized is that rugby is the only sport contact sport where men and women play by exactly the same rules. Exactly. And, you know, women's rugby is rocking it. It's rocking it in the United States. It's rocking it in Canada, especially on the seven, you know, on the seven side for, I mean, it's, it's growing. And I think it's, I, I think it's really, we need to lead with our values. I mean, we're unique. If you go to the, you know, the world rugby website, Go to the homepage and it kicks off with values. What other sport does that, right? And I think an important part of our, of our, just the whole perception of the sport, because a lot of, if you don't know the sport, people think, ah, you're just hitting each other, drinking too much beer. Well, we do that, but we, <laughs> you know, we, 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 we get together after the game. So the respect for the referees, the respect for each other, the camaraderie. The fact that it's an international sport, you know, I mean, I remember the moment in my life where I was at practice one night when I was about 17 years old and my coach, we were all stretching and our, my coach, George Jones, just suddenly said, out of, out of the blue, he said, boys, if you're ever traveling abroad, make sure you, wherever you go, take your boots, your, your, uh, your shorts and a gum shield. Because if you run out of money or you need a, pl- or a drink or you need a place to sleep, go to the closest rugby club. And he just said that nobody said a word, but it stuck with me forever. And it's for anybody who's played the game. It's true. true. It's absolutely true. And I think we need to bring people in, you know, just get them to a game, get them to a game. 
get it into our schools you know, and, and the different variations of the game, get, get kids playing. Look how popular touch rugby is and, you know, in Australia and New Zealand and the skills and playing in bare feet in some parts of the world at a young age, like kids, grow, you know, skills and the values around. So I, I like to say to parents, if they don't know the game, I'll just say rugby is good for you. It's good for you. It's good for your kid. Give, get them out there to give it a try. And it's actually a lot. And truth is my mind and my wife's a neuroscientist. It's a lot safer than many other contact sports, quite frankly, because we're not wearing all the equipment. So it's got a lot of good things going for it. Just, and just in that same vein, we also spoke about this. I know Scott brought this up in a previous episode. It was also among the cheapest game to be able to pick up too. You know, yes. you just need a ball and a pair of short shorts. <laughs> what could you ask for? Yeah. Uh, Scott, you had yeah, yeah. I, I have a question. So talking about growth, um, we have the SLAR down in South America. So my question to you as an owner, honestly, I don't think it could happen in the next five years. But let's say in 10 years, do we see an MLR champion versus an SL, SLAR champion for who is the best professional rugby team in the Americas? Oh, I'll run with that one. I think we'll do that in less than five years. Wow. I mean, I, I think I think the two clubs, if it wasn't officially organized, the two winners will just do it. We'll just do it. <laughs> nice. Go meet in Panama or something and play. <laughs> like, it'll happen. No, it'll happen. Absolutely, it'll happen. Yeah. And the, and the crossover, awesome. the, 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 the cross-fertilization, or at least it's one way at the moment, but the number of Latin American players that are South American players that are coming up and playing and influencing the MLR including our team in very, very positive ways is uh, I think will is it is, it is forming close bonds already. It'll have less than five years. Awesome. I think that's going to be exciting for all rugby fans, not only for the growth aspect, but to be able to put the best against the best of what we have in this continent, you know, between the continents. So it's an exciting time. And to think that it's, that it's not that far away is even more exciting. Yeah. Um, now, Bill, um, I wanted to be able to return to, before we wrap up our show here, um, can you give us a further insight? A lot of fans want to be able to learn from you. When we look past 2020, we move past it, and we imagine that a 2021 season begins, what can we see from the Toronto Arrows? What can fans come to expect? Is there new signings on the way? Are we thinking about permanent you know, uh, uh, changes to the team, structure, league? What can you share? What can you tease us with? Sure. I, I got to run with that one too. Um, I think in, in some respects, the we're not going to change what, like a lot of things have been working. We've got a strong culture. A lot of, a lot of, we've announced a lot of our signings already. There's some big ones still to come. A few, a couple of juicy surprises to come, but uh, stay tuned for that. But we've got a very strong culture. We've got a strong Canadian, you know, uh, contingent in the team. Not much is going to change there. Our style of play, uh, which we think is pretty exciting, won't change. I will tell you the fitness of the players, because uh, guys have been working really hard through the pandemic here, will impress people. But I think what you'll notice the most is a very, for Toronto fans or anyone coming to our games, is an enhanced game day experience. We're doing a lot of work on you know entertainment before, during, and after the game. So with some really smart people, got some really interesting ideas and surprises. And we'll take it up a notch always in terms of, uh, you know, the, the production during, you know, during the match. And I think for the fans in Canada who aren't in Toronto, having a national, you know, broadcast by our, you know, high quality broadcast is going to be heaven. It's a shame we didn't have a home game this year, 
in, in the 2020 season. People were dying for that. And I'll, I, I will tell you one other thing. We are working hard to try and squeeze in an exhibition game or two before 2020 is out. I can't promise it, but we're working hard at it. And I think when you look at, you know, the joy that people in New Zealand experienced when they could watch live rugby again, and they had, you know, full crowds, whether it's with social distance or whatever structure, we are trying hard to to do that. And there are parts of Canada that are opening up now. So just, you know, stay tuned. You may not have to wait till 2021 to... I'm definitely going to push. I'm definitely going to push a a battle for Buffalo, a legit battle for Buffalo scrimmage. I know three years in a row we've had issues. It just, for whatever reason, it it doesn't happen, whether it's travel or traffic or issues with with the arena. But next year, we're going to have it. It's going to be a scrimmage. We're going to play for something. Full on. We should. We should. Yeah. I mean, right now the border's like closed, but. Once it's open, we should we should definitely do that. Yeah, I think you sold us because you know Ty can come from Iowa, pick me up. Right. And Scott can come from New York, and we all can converge on Toronto, <laughs> and uh, we'll all bring swag for Karen and uh, make sure that Doug shows us a great time when we're in Toronto, uh, and we'll share our experience with you, Bill. Yeah, well, the one thing that I've learned is that all Canadian fans of the game are certainly ambassadors for the game as well. So I'm sure it will be a happy home for us and any rugby fan. Uh, we seem to have just lost a, a bill there. He was like yellow carded. He got out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know what? It has been an amazing opportunity to be able to talk with one of the great rugby minds in the game that we know for MLR, a man who's a pioneer in Canadian rugby and, of course, the league itself. We, in his absence, thank Bill for all the time that he spent with us here on the MLR Rant Podcast Show. We thank you as our viewers, for the same thing. And if you want to be able to hear more from us, make sure that you hit the like button, follow us on our page at the MLR Rant. You can also find us under the same handle for all of our various social media platforms. We hope that you've enjoyed your time with myself, Ty Braga, with Scott Ferrara, and then, of course, Rob Hammerschmidt on behalf of Bill Webb. We thank you for watching this episode of Run, Pass, or Kick with your team on the MLR Rant Podcast Show. And we'll see you at the next one. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.